Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode six of the 2021 podcast series, breaking down the draft eligible prospects, getting you ready for the NFL draft, which is still set to begin April 2021, week five of the college football season in the books. SEC play is in full swing. The madness in the Big 12 continues. So there's a lot to talk about. But I think we really have to start off talking about Trey Lance, Dylan Radins, getting their one and only opportunity to impress scouts there for North Dakota State. And in a tight ball game against Central Arkansas, kind of an up and down game there for Trey Lance. He balls out in the fourth quarter, leads the Bison to victory. And uh, I think he solidified his status as a top three quarterback in this draft. He's either number two or number three. Depending on who you talk to right now, I have Trey Lance sitting there at number two behind Trevor Lawrence and in front of Justin Fields. Like Dylan Radins is a top three, top four offensive tackle in the draft as well. We're going to take a look at their careers in the FCS in, in the coming weeks. You know, Really what I want to do is focus on week five, really taking a look at uh, the FBS programs, taking a look at some of the draft eligible prospects there. And then obviously, you know, we, we've been doing kind of a, a kickoff uh, episode each week. You know, we talked first about uh, about the Big Ten. We talked about the SEC, Pac-12 last week, and now we're in honor of the the Mountain West Conference and the MAC deciding that they're going to go ahead and move forward with the season in 2020. We'll be taking a look at those draft eligible prospects. Mountain West decided they're going to hit the field October 24th, and then right around the corner. November 4th, the MAC will hit the field just a couple of days before the Pac-12 kicks off play as well. So week five, though, you know, what's interesting in the Big 12, it's, it's pretty wild. As I mentioned, OU, the Sooners, they lose to Iowa State, which week one lost to Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. Now OU is one and two on the year. And really, there are a lot of questions there about whether or not they have any playmakers. If you listened to the podcast last week, I talked about how OU might be in trouble. There's a lack of playmakers there on the roster offensively, defensively, uh, you know, just giving up way too many big plays. I think they're way too young. They're they're lacking guys that can get after the quarterback. Their best player, Ronnie Perkins, still suspended. Um, you know, OU previously lost to Kansas State the week prior. Kansas State, the Wildcats, they lost to Arkansas State which happened to lose to Coastal Carolina this past week, 52-23. The Chanticleers, 3-0, by the way. Sunbelt juggernauts. I don't know. We'll have to talk about them here in a little while. So the Wildcats that we mentioned, they beat Texas Tech, which narrowly lost, you know, this past week, which narrowly lost to Texas the week prior. And speaking of Texas, they lost to TCU this week, which lost to Iowa State, who beat beat Oklahoma, but lost to Arkansas State to kick off the season. And one week after West Virginia loses to Oklahoma State, 27-13, they beat Dave Aranda's Baylor Bears in double overtime. Now, I mentioned Oklahoma State. Now, they, they took out West Virginia 27-13, but they narrowly escaped, you know, the, the, the clutches of, of defeat, you know, the, from, from Tulsa and escaped with a 16-7 victory. And, and why, are we, why are we talking about this? Why are we going through the Big 12? Well, really, Tulsa, they may not be in the Big 12, but I really want to start there because Tulsa is emerging as a team to watch in the American Athletic Conference. And really... If you're a, a, a group of five conference fan, your best shot at hitting the, the college football playoff really took a huge hit. 
Central Florida, the 11th ranked Golden Knights, go down to the to the the Golden Hurricane 34-26 despite Tulsa having three turnovers and a safety in their first four possessions and Zach Smith struggling at the quarterback position throughout the first half. But the transfer from Baylor turned things around in the second half, ended up, you know, throwing the uh, 17 to 29, 273 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Uh, he's 6'3", 227 pounds, has an NFL arm, and I think that's really what was on display during this game. You'd see him climb the pocket, making the throws from the right hash to the left sideline, putting it on the money to, to, to Juan Carlos Santana. There was a 48-yard touchdown, um, put the ball on a line to, to, to Josh Johnson uh, on a skinny post. There was a 34-yard touchdown on a post to Sam Crawford, um, you know, and then a 49-yard play. Um, pressure on his face, not able to really step into the throw, able to put the ball over the shoulder to Keelan Stokes. Keelan Stokes had a big game as well. I think Keelan Stokes is somebody who has playing his way into day three consideration. Now with the quarterback play being so inconsistent this season, I think Zach Smith definitely helped his draft stock. But for a, as, as well as Zach, Zach Smith played in the second half, we have to talk about defense for Tulsa. One of my favorite players, if not my favorite player in all of college football, Zaven Collins, 6'4", 265. The redshirt junior is off to a phenomenal start. Last week, or I'm sorry, I shouldn't say last week, you know, Tulsa's had some some issues getting onto the field due to COVID-19, but in their very first week against Oklahoma State, had three sacks, four tackles for loss against the Cowboys, and he didn't disappoint against UCF either. Ten tackles, three and a half going for loss, an interception that he returned back for 12 yards, two pass breakups, and another hit on the quarterback. This was a guy who was flying all over the field, uh, blitzing off the edge, showing uh, excellent hand usage, chopping the hands of the of the offensive lineman, dipping inside, shooting through the A-gap, blowing up plays, diagnosing well. Uh, this was a guy, you know, you want to see him drop into coverage a little bit, um, but a guy who's very intelligent playing against the run, flies around to the football, plays inside out, uh, excellent outside leverage against the run, but a guy who's just going to shoot through gaps all day long. I love Zavin Collins. If you haven't gotten to watch Tulsa yet, 23 is all over the field, but he's not the only guy. There's a redshirt sophomore, uh, Justin Wright, 6'2", 230 pounds, at eight tackles, three tackles for loss in the game. A guy who was just shooting gaps left and right. You know, very explosive against the run. Uh, you know, he's a, a guy right now who I think is, a, is definitely a two-down player. You want to see him become more versatile and be a guy that can stay on the field for three downs. But he's a guy who should be on NFL radars now. Um, and, you know, a guy who's going to come back to Tulsa, but definitely has that that potential and when you look at the secondary i'm sorry before we go to the secondary let's actually talk about jackson player he's six foot 290 the junior nose tackle also played some some five technique in in the uh, 34 uh 34 defense when they ran that three-man front this is a guy who play he wins with leverage you know he's very strong at the point of attack but he wins with leverage he's another guy to keep an eye on there over the next couple of years there at, at, at tulsa and then there are a couple of corners. You know, they're, they're big at the cornerback position. Uh, Caleb Evans, 6'2", 185, the redshirt junior. He was beaten by Jalen Robinson, who we're going to talk about here in a minute on a double move. But press corner, very physical, likes to get up and jam receivers. Uh, you know, uh, and then, you know, Allie Green, the fourth. You know, 6'2", 212, big, physical, very long. Another guy who was beaten by Jalen Robinson. 
but you know, a guy who drives well on the football in front of him may end up having to play safety if he can't show that, that he can hang with the speed on the outside, but he's very physical, likes to jam you at the line of scrimmage, did a really good job of taking Tylen Wallace and driving him all the way to the sideline when they played against Oklahoma State. Against UCF, against Jalen Robinson, he, he drove him to the sideline and basically kept him there and kept his hands on him and ultimately got flagged for a, for a pass interference call. But Allie Green, you know, that size, when you're talking about looking for these big athletic corners, I think Allie Green's going to get a look as a, as a day three prospect there. But here's a name for you that, that you really need to, to take notice of, and that's Ty Neal Martin. 6'1", 203, seven tackles, four pass breakups. And when you watch Ty Neal Martin, you know, people, he wasn't really on everybody's radar but I'll tell you, the safety you know, showed some really nice instincts in pass coverage, you know, driving on the slants, attacking the ball at the catch point, um, you know, was stride for stride with Marlon Williams, who's you know, a, a receiver who, who's very well thought of in the American Athletic Conference, you know, attacking the hands late. Uh, to, to make a play on the football as well. I think Tyneal Martin is really starting to turn some heads. And, uh, you know, that secondary for his physical and that, that press cover play, I think that really messed with Dylan Gabriel, the six foot 186-pound uh, sophomore. You know, I thought he ra- was rattled at times. He's really used to throwing into, into zone coverage. And I think that was really what kind of startled him was just how physical those those corners were, were, were playing. Still 28 of 51, 330 uh, yards, uh, a touchdown and an interception. You know, this is the first game in quite a while that I can remember where he didn't throw multiple touchdown passes. And then Jalen Robinson, though, 5'9", 165. This guy is draft eligible. He's a redshirt sophomore, uh, OU transfer. Uh, you know, was behind a lot of those talented receivers with C.D. Lamb and, and Hollywood Brown and, and the like. And just an absolute speedster. Beat both of the, the aforementioned corners there vertically. You know, had the double moves, very explosive. A guy that wants to get down the football field in a hurry. Three catches, 111 yards. You know, he plays a little bit like Hollywood Brown uh, there when uh, when he was at the Sooners. And, uh, you know, a guy that you really want to keep an eye on there going forward for UCF. Would love to see him come back uh, one more year with Dylan Gabriel uh, before he declares for the draft. And then one last guy to, to mention there for UCF is Richie Grant. A lot of people aren't talking about him, but he's six foot, 194 pounds. The the strong safety plays well in the box against the run, drives on the football, you know, on passes thrown in front of him. Uh, big hitter, looks to to try to, to punish you a little bit. You know, this is a guy who you know had, had over 100 tackles uh, one season, you know, uh, and very adept, you know, with the ball skills, making plays on the football. Actually took a knee to the head, scary situation, laid on the ground for a little while, but he was able to get back up and uh, ultimately was on the sideline for the rest of the game. Um, he's a guy, look, you know, people aren't talking about him. Some people have him as maybe a late day three guy. I think he's a guy that, you know, because of his, his versatility, because of his intelligence, I think he has, a, has the ability to make an NFL roster. So if we transition, you know, let's talk about the big, the big 12. And the big game in Big 12 play, the Cyclones, Iowa State, in Jack Trice Stadium, taking down the OU Sooners, uh, you know, 37-30. And Brock Purdy, look, the 6'1", 212-pound junior, started the season off a little rough against Louisiana, but really starting to hit his stride. You know, throwing his receivers open, showing the mobility, rolling out, the touch, uh, you know, to put the ball over the linebacker, 
fitted in front of the safety, some questionable decision making at times, you know, and, and really would throw the ball up into, into coverage. But he really trusted his, his bigger receivers. And I think having Char- Charlie Kohler, he didn't have Charlie Kohler to start out the season and was really trying to build some rapport with his receivers. Having Charlie Kohler back and really having all of the tight ends, I think he and Chase Allen, who's a 6'7", 240-pound tight end, you know, 6'6", 257 is, is Kohler, those guys are going to play on Sundays. And just throwing the football up, allowing them to make plays on the ball. Um, this is a guy who you know, had no turnovers in the red zone in his career. Um, just a really, like I said, a real intelligent player. The play fakes. You know, there was a play fake there where he fooled four defenders and uh, Xavier Hutchinson was able to get behind them on a 65-yard touchdown. Um, Again, you know, Brock Purdy for me, the mobility, the athleticism, you know, you can't evaluate quarterbacks, um, you know, just off of one week and declare that, okay, he's a bust or KJ Costello's, um, using him as an example, you know, you kind of go the other way, and we'll talk about him when we get into SEC play here in just a minute. But you know, Spencer Rattler, you know, six one two zero five retro freshman, the ball flies differently off of his hand. You know, this is a guy you just see it jump off of his hand, and he's going to be a star there for the Sooners. But I think one of the things that happened, the O-line was not blocking for him, and he would get outside. He he really started to get gun-shy and wanted to vacate the pocket as quickly as possible, get on the run, a lot of throws to the outside, a lot of out routes. He could, if he stood in, in the pocket, didn't have to leave every time. If he stood in the pocket and actually attacked the middle of the field that was open, you know, Austin Stogner, his tight end, could have had a huge day. Um, but that was the other thing, too. I, I don't think that he really has trust in his receivers. Charleston Rambo made some nice plays. The 6'1", 175-pound junior receiver had a slant and go for 40 yards and set up a first and goal. An out route on fourth down. Got his feet inbounds for a first down there. Four catches, 61 yards. Um, you know, But he's somebody who wasn't consistently getting open down the field and uh, really you know, wasn't that go-to guy. When we talk about some of these, these players, like look at Boston College with Phil uh, Jakovic and, and Hunter, Hunter Long. He had the guy, the, the, the security valve, uh, or the safety blanket, or, or, or security valve there. And, and you've got uh, Charlie Kohler. You know, that was the guy that, that Brock Purdy, when he gets into a jam, that's who he's looking for, the big tight end. And right now, Spencer Rattler just doesn't have that that type of guy on, on that that uh, on that offense right now. Jaquan Bailey, 6'2", 261. Uh, the senior, he's Iowa State's all-time leader in sacks. Bends really well coming off the, off the edge. Um, you know, this is someone who I think plays the run pretty well, so it's a pretty hard edge and uh, is able to uh, use a variety of moves. You know, likes you know really good hand usage. Bends pretty well, like I said, and uh, you know has this spin move coming back. He gets even with the quarterback, spins back inside when the quarterback stepping up in the pocket. Uh, Jaquan Bailey, you know, an underrated pass rusher and a guy that really needs to be on team's radars. And then uh, I'll give you a junior to, to think about. It's Mike Rose, 6'4", 245, the, the inside linebacker. He, he's going to come back and play one more year for the Cyclones, but he reminds me a lot of A.J. Klein. Just an instinctive linebacker, plays all over the field. He can blitz. He's very physical, likes to drill you, um, you know, and very intelligent you know there was a the OU has that that patented play that that guard tackle that gets pulling and, and coming around was able to play off the block get to the running back and drop him behind the line of scrimmage very heady play 
Uh, Mike Rose, if you haven't seen him play, you got to keep an eye out for him. He's a guy to watch, uh, you know, in the coming years. Uh, therefore, uh, for Matt Campbell. Now I mentioned Texas gets into the, you know, they get into the top ten. They're number nine in the country. 31, I'm sorry, 33-31, lost to TCU. Sam Ellinger, uh, you know, fin- you started off the, the, the game 5 of 13 for 133 yards, did have a couple of touchdowns. There was a double move uh, that Brennan Eagles ultimately ends up wide open, but he, I, I liked how he climbed the pocket and ultimately delivered that strike 45 yards uh, to Eagles there. Um, you know, he stands tall in the pocket. He's 6'3", 225 pounds. He's going to take a big hit. Uh, finished the game 17-36 to for just 236 yards with four touchdowns and an interception. You know, And Sam Ellinger, look, this is the thing with him. It's, it's going to be all about consistency and or lack thereof. And Texas... You know, their their season's going to go how Sam Ellinger goes, and you know it's going to be you know, if, if he's going to continue to play up and down, then that's ultimately what the result that you're going to get at the at the end of the day. There, uh, Samuel Cosme is is left tackle, six seven three oh nine, the junior. I talked about him last week. You know some of the inconsistent play with his hands and uh, and his footwork, um, and the the technique that he was using. You know really backpedaling a lot, giving a lot of ground. But then what I really liked was he was able to open up lock onto his man and then drive him away from the pocket did that a lot with uh with, with uh, the freshman Kerry coleman um would just lock on to him you know and you know he's retreating allowing the the defensive end coming off the edge he, he would retreat he would set his feet he would anchor lock on and then drive his man away and i thought that really was uh was successful there against TCU. You know, you saw the kick slide as well, though, to beat the defensive end to the edge and then change directions and redirect the end. Uh, you know, Cosme, I think he's starting to continue to get better and better. That's something that I really like to see. Uh, Joseph Osai, the, the outside linebacker slash defensive end, uh, excellent backside pursuit of the football. Um, you know, I, I really like the play where he had, had his hands to the chest of the right tackle, got the tackle off balance, the chop and rip of the hands, turned the corner, flattened out, hit the quarterback as he was throwing. Uh, and then later on, another slap and chop, then rip through, bends around the edge, and then chops down on the quarterback's arms, gets a strip sack. Texas recovers the fumble. Uh, for TCU, Tra- uh, Travon Merrig, 6'2", 202, the junior. Uh, really good coverage down the field. They threw a lot away from him. Uh, really wasn't, um, you know, didn't see the ball thrown his way much, and that's probably for good reason. Excellent ball skills there. Uh, and then Garrett Wallow reminds me a lot of Ty Summers, just a real smart, intelligent player, always around the football. 6'1, 230 pounds. End of the game, Texas going in for the game winning score. Keontae Ingram up the middle into the pile, and Garrett Wallow makes a play on the football, forces the fumble. Texas turns it over. TCU ends up winning the ball game. I think Garrett Wallow is one of those underrated linebackers who I think is going to end up making an NFL roster. I think uh, a week or two ago, you know, Ty Summers actually led the Packers in tackles. I think Garrett Wallow could be that same type of player. Now, moving on to the SEC, and I mentioned, you know, week to week, you can't just sit there and and rate a quarterback based on one week. KJ Costello, 623 yards, beating LSU. Bo Pelini running nothing but man uh, against that offense, even with uh, Derek Stingley being down uh, with that illness, the non-COVID-related illness, I might might add. So they beat the defending champs, and then they lose to the powerhouse in the SEC known as the Arkansas Razorbacks. 
21-14. Now Costello, 43 of 59, uh, 313 yards, just one touchdown, three interceptions. Uh, you know, and it was a difference between man-to-man and zone. You really saw KJ Costello struggling to I- identify where where the player, where the, the safeties, the linebackers, where they're lining up under in underneath coverage. Um, you know, just some real head scratchers, some ill-advised throws. You know, you look at the at the uh, the game film, and you're just scratching your head, wondering why he's getting rid of the football when he's got a linebacker that's laying in wait or a safety over the top. And I, I think that zone coverage really threw him off. And um, you know, that that's really going to be a, an eye opener. You, you already have two games into the season, and you already have a blueprint for beating Mike Leach's offense in the SEC. So you know that the pirate, the the mad scientist that is Mike Leach, will go back to the drawing board, work with KJ Costello. But the thing with it is, is KJ Costello against man coverage had some ill-advised throws. It was just so happened that they were getting open on those, a lot of those crossers, so they're still able to be successful. He's got to show some better awareness, being able to see the entire field as he goes through his progressions, being able to pick up on where some of these players are sitting on routes and he can't telegraph his passes. Don't stare down down receivers. Don't throw into coverage. Don't force the football down the field. Take what the defense gives you uh, because zone coverage, there will be holes in that defense. You just have to be aware of where they are. And then Kylan Hill, the running back, look, you know, we all knew that Kylan Hill could be a, a tremendous uh, a tremendous runner, showcased his, his pass catching ability against LSU, goes out with a back injury. Uh, it sounds like he'll be okay for Kentucky. Let's hope because he had the makings of a, a really nice, um, nice season as a receiver. And like I said, I put him in as my number four running back uh, behind the likes of, of Najee Harris and, and Travis Etienne and Chuba Hubbard. And uh, I thought he was comfortably there, but that injury that scares you a little bit. So hopefully he'll be, be able to make it back against Kentucky. Um, meanwhile, the Kyle connection in Florida took down the South Carolina Gamecocks 38-24. Kyle Trask, uh, 21-29. Um, 279 yards, I believe. I can't read my own writing, but four touchdowns, just an interception. Uh, pocket presence. I think that was what was was key there for him. You know, able to, to smooth, you know, just very subtle, sidestep the rush. No panic whatsoever. Very calm under pressure. Ball placement, throwing receivers open. Uh, there was a 13-yard touchdown to Kyle Pitts. A bootleg to the right. Stop, set his feet, throw back to the left to Kyle Pitts. And look, you know, the, the Kyle connection, six touchdowns in just two weeks of action. SEC does not want to see you know, this this Kyle connection at all. Uh, so all those teams in the SEC are on notice, including you, Alabama. Uh, you know, be, beware. Uh, but Kyle Trask, look, drop back, um, moving moving to his left, the pocket presence, able to, to escape pressure, hit uh, Kadarius Toney on a crossing route in stride, allowed him to turn up field for a 57-yard touchdown. Uh, just very intelligent player. And the arm strength is there. I heard some people giving him a knock on, on the interception. Really, it was a tip pass. Kadarius Tony also slipped on the play. Uh, Israel Mukwamu made a nice diving interception. But, uh, you know, let's not get it, get it twisted. You know, Kyle Trask has the arm strength. He has the ability to throw to the wide side of the field on a line when needed. I like Kyle Trask as my number four quarterback at this point. Um, and, and, you know, speaking of, of Kyle Pitts... 
look, man, th this guy, six touchdowns in two weeks, catching the football, um, you know, four receptions, 57 yards, two scores in this game. Um, you know, he was going up against J.C. Horn, and th the play of, of the two Kyles on this play was, was incredible. So he's going up the field, and Kyle Trask throws the football to the, to the outside. The trust in the tight end to be able to, to turn, open up, and, and make that, that catch on the back shoulder. J.C. Horn was on the inside, basically holding Kyle Pitts, and Pitts was able to haul in the football with just his left hand. Uh, just tremendous, tremendous play. I mentioned that 13-yard touchdown. You know, Kyle Pitts just has a, a huge catch radius. He's going to be a nightmare for for even NFL franchises. Um, I, I think teams, you know, in, in need of a tight end are drooling at the prospects of, of getting Kyle Pitts. Uh, mentioned Mukuamu, 6'4", 205. Um, he was beaten by Trent Whitmore. Uh, you know, also beaten by by Kyle Pitts. You know, I think Israel Mukuamu. Uh, you know, he, he has some some decent tape. Then there's a lot of bad tape out there as well. Um, you know, I, I think he's going to come out after this year. He's a junior, um, but you know that inconsistent play. He's going to have to shore that up a little bit. Now on the flip side, J.C. Horn. You know, six one, two hundred. Like I said, stride for stride with with Kyle Pitts on that back shoulder throw. Um, you know, very physical press corner. Uh, was looking to try to jam Kyle Pitts left and right. Uh, was up the sideline versus uh, Justin Shorter, uh, the the transfer from from Penn State. Stride for stride with him, and then they threw that that back shoulder throw to Shorter, and he actually was able to take a step towards the sideline and get a hand in to make a play on the ball. You know, that those back shoulder throws, the timing routes, it's so hard to get a hand in, but there's J.C. Horn, the anticipation, his ability to shoot in there and still make a play on the football. I think he's a guy that, that should be climbing up draft boards if he hasn't already. Um, on the offensive line for South Carolina, Sidarius Hutcherson, 6'4", 320 pounds. You know, he was pulling, looked athletic, um, but there was a mental lapse where, where Brenton Cox beat him badly to the inside. He stepped stepped outside, away from Brenton Cox, who shot inside. And by the time he was able to turn back, Cox was already gone, got into the quarterback for a quick sack. And speaking of Brenton Cox, the 6'3", 250-pound redshirt sophomore, he's on the way to a season to where I can anticipate him entering the draft. I think right now he's probably a, a day-two pick, probably a second-rounder right now. Um, you know, and... What I really liked, not only was he shooting the gaps, but he'd start to the outside, spin back to the inside to get to the quarterback. He, you know, that play against Hutcherson, he was a stand-up rusher there, showing off some versatility, uh, you know, very explosive player. But then you have to Daryl Slayton, the big dude in the middle, 6'5", 340 pounds, the brute strength. He was just throwing guys around, you know, big clubs and, and just throwing guys around. He was double teamed there in the middle. And uh, the, the brute strength and just the force with which he plays, it's it's fun to watch. Uh, you know the big guy there in the middle, uh, Sean Davis, the safety, six foot two oh six, showed uh, some some good leaping ability, timing his jumps well to make a play on the football. He's a big hitter. Uh, mentioned Kadarius Tony earlier, and he's turning himself into a wide receiver. He's not just a a guy who's going to make some some gadget plays. Six six receptions, eighty six yards, that touchdown on that crosser. I, I think the way that he ran his route, he started moving toward up the uh, up the field. So when Trask hit him in stride, he was able to just turn and and take it the distance was able to create some of that separation against that corner and uh was kind of leading up the field and uh trask hit him in stride and, and the rest was history there 
Um, you know, and then for South Carolina, the receiver, Shai Smith, 5'10", 190. This guy's a weapon across the middle. He was attacking the middle of the field the entire game. 12 receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown. You know, that, that's a slot receiver if I've ever seen one. Uh, Bama. Staying in the SEC, Alabama, number two ranked Crimson Tide, 52-24 winners over number 13th ranked Texas A&M. Kellen Mond, look, 6'3", 225 pounds. He looks more like 240 pounds. He was 25 of 44, 318 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. Um, but you know what I always see with Kellen Mond is inconsistent play. You know the last three games prior to this game, under 200 yards passing. Uh, you know, he's now 23 and 13 as a starter. And, you know, he would throw the ball into traffic, throw it on a line, hit the receiver. Uh, there was a back shoulder throw uh, that he threw to, to Jalen Weidermeyer. And you're looking at it going, there's no way he should be making this throw. And then the, the tight end makes a, a play on the football. But there were some questionable reads, trying to trust his arm a little bit too much, forcing it into traffic. He'd sail the football way too often over his receivers, overthrowing guys down the field. And, uh, you know, a lot of times he was one-hopping balls to receivers as well. So the mechanics were just off. And, you know, to me, I, I don't see Kyle, you know, everyone's talking about Kellen Mond being possibly the number four uh, quarterback in this year's draft. I didn't see it last year. I saw a lot of inconsistent play, completed barely 60% of his passes. And, and this year I, I, I see more of the same. I just, I, I don't see Kellen Mond. I see the athleticism. I think he's a guy who's going to be a developmental quarterback. And, and if somebody can get in there, work on some of the mechanics, work on that, that the decision-making, I just think he gets in, into into his head a little bit too much and wants to, to create a little bit too much as opposed to just giving, you know, taking what the defense gives him. Um, Matt Jones, on the other hand, 6'3", 214 pounds, the redshirt junior. You want to talk about an efficient day, 20 of 27, 435 yards, four touchdowns and an interception. Um, man, the touch on this vertical, 78-yard uh, pass to, to John Mechie. You know, if you're looking for a number three receiver behind Jalen Waddell and, uh, and Devontae Smith, uh, John Mechie is going to be your guy. The sophomore had, a, had an awesome day. Um, caught the football over the shoulder. And the way that he just dropped it in, just perfect touch. Uh, there's another play, first and five, wheel route to the running back, touch over the linebacker, the poise in the pocket, you know, his ability to just kind of manipulate the pocket whenever he needed to, whether he was stepping up, sidestepping the rush, uh, getting out of the pocket when he needed to. The confidence is really growing there for Mac Jones. And uh, they've got you know, Bryce Young, the, the future quarterback there of the Crimson Tide, and, and people are kind of looking at Mac Jones, kind of that afterthought, but he's really making a name for himself. You know, the question is going to be, you know, is there going to be enough for him to decide to declare for the draft? Uh, you know, I'm not ready to anoint him as, you know, a, a top flight quarterback just yet. But, you know, a few more weeks with the way that he's been playing, the way he's able to survey the field. Uh, you know, I, I, granted, he's playing with a ton of weapons and a veteran offensive line in front of him. Um, so those guys are going to make you look good. Um, and, and frankly, if you're not getting pressure on you, um, you can sit there. A lot of quarterbacks can look awesome um, if they have all day to throw. Uh, so as we get in further into the season, take on some, some heftier fronts, that's really where I want to see what Mac, Mac Jones has uh, as a quarterback. But uh, I definitely think that he's somebody that uh, is an ascending player for sure. Jalen Waddle, I mentioned him earlier, 5'10", 182-pound junior. The speedster, five catches, 142 yards, and a touchdown. Very explosive route runner. There was this uh, square in or slant and go. I don't know. You know maybe it was a sluggo. Really more of a square in. But 
once he got vertical, the explosive acceleration split the, the, the defensive backs, catches the football in stride, 87 yard touchdown. Devontae Smith, on the other hand, 6'1, 175, uh, six receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown. Precise route runner, um, really what I love, coming right back to the football, coming down the stem, um, able to, to, to haul in that football. Uh, on another play, taking this drag and had the angle to make sure that he was able to get to the outside coming across the field. Had he run, the, run a little bit flatter after the catch, he probably wasn't going to be able to turn the corner, but he took it at the right angle, able to get to the, to the corner and get down the field for a 20-yard gain. Um, you know, he's very, very intelligent. The body control there for, for Devontae Smith. Again, another guy who's just so much fun to watch, and I think it's almost a given that you're going to have back-to-back seasons with two Bama receivers drafted in round number one. Uh, Najee Harris, the big 6'2", 230-pound senior running back, um, but it was his play, uh, you know, not really what he's known for. Uh, a block on a linebacker, saved Mac Jones, gave him additional time to throw the football down the field, showed an excellent uh, ability, the body control and, and the, the ability, to, the concentration on that wheel route, catching the football over the linebacker, um, chased down to Marvin Leal, the, the uh, hustle there on that play on an interception to catch him at the 17-yard line. Um, but then you saw the, the vision, his ability. He starts to his right, saw the flow of the defense going in that direction, hit the brakes, allowed that offensive lineman to kind of set up his block, made the cut back, got into the end zone for a score. Najee Harris does a little bit of everything. He's a running back that you got to love. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, 6'6", 312. You know, better footwork this year. Slides a lot better. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things that there was really a question mark. Can he hold up as an offensive tackle and pass protection? And so far, I think the answer is yes. Uh, there was a kickout block on, on Tyree Johnson that also sprung Harris for a big play as well in the running game. Uh, Landon Dickerson, 6'6", 325, the center. Uh, anchors really well, has really long arms. Um, pulled for the running back, got a nice cut block uh, as uh, Najee Harris was getting into the open field. Now, Texas A&M's right tackle, Carson Green, 6'6", 300, 31 starts under his belt. I thought he held his own on the edge, especially against uh, Will Anderson, the talented freshman pass rusher. Uh, was able to anchor, show decent feet, um, used his hands really well. He's a day three, has day three potential in my opinion. And then finally, let's talk about Patrick Sertan, the 6'2", 202 pound junior, um, you know, untouched on a blitz, got a hit on the quarterback, quick slant and off coverage, came downhill in a hurry, no yak um, after that that play. And uh, you know, really the biggest thing is, is the, the press, press coverage, um, getting his hands on the receiver early, rerouting them off the routes, um, big physical corner, He's a lot of fun to watch, but if you watch that Georgia game, Georgia, the number four ranked Bulldogs, uh, beating Auburn, seventh ranked Tigers, 27 to six. Tyson Campbell, the 6'285 pound junior, a guy who had 11 starts as a freshman, but only three as a junior, I'm sorry, as a sophomore, uh, going down to injury, he dominated Seth Williams. Dominated that receiver. Uh, he was beaten early, some hesitation by the receiver, got inside on, on a a slant then he was unable to bring down the big guy um, who ultimately ended up getting a first down on the on the play but uh what i really loved about campbell he get his hands on him early wanted to jam him blanket coverage um you know another guy who on those back shoulder throws was able to take a step to the sideline and make a play on those back shoulder throws those are timing routes those are 
uh, you know, the reaction and the anticipation, the ability to make a play on that back shoulder throw, understanding where he's at on the field, where he can go to still make a play on the football. Um, you know, the, the ability to stay on the hip of the receiver. You know, he jumped to the outside and Seth got back inside on a slant, stayed on the hip, um, tried to make a play on the football. Ultimately, Williams makes the catch, but then he's able to bring him down from no yak whatsoever. Uh, on another play, inside leverage, takes two steps back, then turns, flips those hips, very fluid hips, stride for stride with Williams down the sideline, gets his head around as the receiver's looking up for the ball. Look, lean, make a play on the football. Spectacular coverage there by, by Tyson Campbell. He's going to challenge Patrick Sertan. Now, this is the, the corner that is making, making the most waves, in my opinion. He took on Seth Williams, who's had his way with a lot of SEC corners. I like Tyson Campbell. I think he's really done a lot for himself. DJ Daniel uh, did a great job in his in his stead when he was injured. Um, you know, and Eric Stokes was the number one corner. Now that Tyson Campbell's back, no question, he's the leader of that secondary. No offense to Richard LeCount, the safety, um, who actually went down to an injury and uh, you know didn't return in the game. Um, ben Cleveland. The, the right guard there for, for Georgia, 6'6", 352. Mammoth of a man, um, excellent power. He's just massive. You know, Caving in the interior on run plays to open up huge holes. And then the hand fighting. That was one of the things that I thought was really impressive was he won a lot of those hand fighting wars with a lot of the interior linemen there for Auburn. Uh, he and Trey Hill, but they're not the, not the fastest guys. If you're asking to pull, you ask them to climb to the line uh, to the second level, you're not necessarily going to see them uh, move with, with any grace, but they get the job done and you get them on the interior there. They're, they're mean, they're nasty guys, and they're going to open up some big holes. Uh, you know, KJ Britt, the six foot, 245 pound uh, senior linebacker there for Auburn. This is a guy who plays very physical in the box downhill in a hurry uh, a guy who shoots gaps makes plays right around the line of scrimmage uh, I thought he looked lost at times in coverage though uh, makes me wonder if he's just a two down linebacker uh, I just saw that he's going to have surgery on his thumb so hopefully that's not going to take him out hopefully they'll be able to just wrap that up put it, put his hand in a club and allow him to make some plays out there uh, for the Auburn, Auburn Tigers moving forward UNC, a top top 15 squad, uh, ended up beating Boston College 26-22. Um, you know Sam Howell, you know 6'1", 225 pounds, and, and this was a guy, um, you know, who at the end of the day, you know, had a couple of touchdowns and an interception, but he was pressured all game long by that BC front. The linebackers, Max Richardson and Isaiah uh, McKenzie, getting after him. He held on to the football way too long. Really showed. Uh, you know, some of the greenness there, you know, I, I thought, you know, for as talented as he is, you know, he shed 10 pounds, looks a lot more athletic, a lot more agile there at, at the quarterback position, but holding on to the football, not really wanting to, to, to live to see another down. He's trying to create a little bit too much. Um, you know, I, I think getting that next year under his belt there for the Tar Heels, he'll be a guy that's going to be in, in consideration to be the number one quarterback taken uh, in next year's draft. Um, but Phil Dracovic, that was a guy that I wanted to watch. 6'5", 226 pounds, redshirt sophomore, big kid, a big arm. Um, the ball gets onto the receiver in a hurry. Uh, this was a guy who stood tall in the pocket. I love the eye discipline, holding the safeties to the left, looking back to the right and getting uh, getting the ball, getting the matchup that he was looking for. A good decision making underneath. I thought that some of his, his deep balls, you know, lack some accuracy. Um, 
but really made some some nice plays there on the underneath routes, as I said. Did a good job extending plays, hitting the receivers up the seam. Um, I thought, you know, on a lot of his rollouts, he was giving ground way too easily rather than, than as you're rolling out, he wanted to keep retreating, wanted to keep going backwards even further, and you're just going further and further back, which means you know you're you're trusting your arm way too much and thinking, well, if, even if I retreat by 15, 20 yards, I've got the arm to throw the football 40 yards down the field. Um, but you know that's just that's a, a, a recipe for disaster, especially when you're talking about going to the next level. Um, you know, the timing with with his his tight end Hunter Long was, was special. That was one of the things that I think was was definitely definitely on display. Uh, 45 seconds left in the game though. Slant route to the receiver, eight yard touchdown. Two point conversion though. He rolls to his right, tried to force it into traffic. Uh, there really wasn't a whole lot of uh, you know room there anyway. The Tar Heel defense doing a great job. Tried to force it though into traffic. Interception on that PAT. It was returned back for two points, and BC winds up losing instead of potentially being able to, to tie the game up there with that two-point conversion. And I mentioned uh, Hunter Long, really the security blanket there for Phil Dracovic. That was the guy that he was looking for. 6'5", 253, the redshirt junior, um, you know, extends uh, extends his hands, catches the ball away from his body. Uh, one of those things that you really want to see from a tight end. Are they going to be a body catcher or can they extend for the football? He attacks the ball in the air. Ten targets in the first half. A guy who does a great job adjusting to the football in the air. Weapon on the out routes. Not afraid to go over the middle either. He screams Hunter Henry as a receiver. And, and I saw a really nice play um, in pass protection. He extended his arms into the linebacker. Showed some really nice leg drive as a blocker. This is a guy who could be a complete tight end. And a guy who, if he decides that he wants to come out at the end of the season, you know, he, he's someone that we could be talking about as a potential. Could he be that fourth tight end that sneaks into uh, round number one? Could he potentially challenge Pat Fryermuth for that number three tight end position? Um, you know, those are some of the things that we have to kind of think about. Um, you know, Michael Carter, the running back for UNC, he's only 5'8", 199 pounds, but uh, he plays a lot bigger than his size. Very decisive, gets downhill in a hurry. Uh, the leg drive, leg strength, you, you know, that's definitely on display. Love the jump cut ability to bounce the football outside. Isaiah McDuffie, the 6'4", 234-pound junior, a guy who you know battled an ACL injury, had 12 tackles, a sack, and two quarterback hurries in the game. Just flies around to the football. That's one of the things that you definitely saw with him. Uh, and on the opposite side of the football, Chas Surratt. You know, this guy is a legitimate pro prospect in my opinion. He's 6'2", 225. He can do a little bit of everything. He plays the run really well. Instinctive there. Pass rusher can get to the quarterback in a hurry. Also drops into the coverage. He has that quarterback instincts. So the awareness to understand where the routes are, where he needs to go, reading the quarterback's eyes, allowing it to take him to the football. Um, you know, second in the ACC a season ago. He had eight tackles, a sack, a pass breakup, and a uh, a quarterback hurry as well uh, for the Tar Heels in their victory. Uh, Oklahoma State took out Kansas 47 to seven. Chuba Hubbard 20 carries, 145 yards, two touchdowns, six foot 208. Um, you know, a downhill runner gets downhill in a hurry. Uh, used a lot of spin moves. Uh, that's one of the things that you saw. He, he's patient to wait for the holes to open up. Um, and I think the, seeing the backside, the, the, the holes to the backside, the backside flow, understanding where that backside flow is going to go, where the holes are going to be, putting his foot in the ground and getting north and south, being very decisive. This was the first game where I, I saw Chuba Hubbard and said he's playing up to his potential. Um, you know, Prior to that, I really thought LD Brown was playing 
uh, you know, outplaying him. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what Juba Hubbard can do going forward. Uh, you know, Tylen Wallace, 5'11", 187-pound senior. Uh, this is a, a guy, you know, he, he does he runs the routes really well. He's, he's a, a savvy route runner. Gives the quarterback room up the sideline, um, you know, to, to drop the football in towards the sideline. You know, he's able to bend those routes. You know, gives that quarterback the room to be able to really drop it into the bucket over the shoulder. Um, loves contact, as I've said previously in, in prior podcasts. Body control is, is tremendous. And then Tevin Jenkins, the, the right tackle, uh, 6'6", 320 pounds. Uh, had this combo block, locks down on the defensive tackle, then gets a kick out on a defensive end to open a huge hole for Chuba Hubbard. Uh, in the goal line, also climbs up to the second level, buries a linebacker. Very physical run blocker, keeps his hands inside the leg drive, uh, but he's also somebody who stays low, very patient as a, as a pass blocker. Um, I like his kick slide as well and pass protection. Um, physical dude, athletic tools. Uh, he's a, a, an offensive tackle, continues to impress, can be a top five tackle in this draft. Baylor, I mentioned. Going down to West Virginia, 27-21 in double overtime. A couple of players to really make mention of in this game. Uh, Terrell Bernard, 6'1", 222 pounds. He reminds you a lot of Kenneth Murray. You know, I heard them mention that on the broadcast. He absolutely reminds me of him. A guy who plays sideline to sideline, very athletic, can blitz the quarterback and drop into coverage. Um, you know, reads diagnoses, gets there in a hurry, shoots the A-gap, you know, the, the quickness. Um, you know, read the backside, or I'm sorry, a bubble screen uh, to the wide side, able to chase him down. Um, you know, the athletic interception uh, leaps up into the passing lane, tips the ball in the air, able to go to the ground and catch the football as well. Uh, there was a third and two play, shot through the gap, stood up the running back for no gain. Check this out. 13 tackles, a pass breakup, quarterback hurry, and an interception on the day. Not a bad day's work for Terrell Bernard. Tune in, watch the Baylor Bears, watch number two, Dave Aranda. All he does is produce linebackers that go on to the next level and are successful. Imagine what he can do with Terrell Bernard, especially if he keeps him for one more year there in Waco. Uh, for West Virginia up front, it was all about number 56, Darius Stills. 6'1", 282, one half of the Stills brothers with Dante, number 55. Uh, but this was a guy, look, man. Lines up against the left left guard, starts to his to to his right, then loops around to the left to, to pressure the quarterback who's stepping up in the pocket to get a sack on him. Um, really quick arm overs into the backfield, uh, double team when he was lined up as a three four defensive end. Uh, the twist, man, if you get him on a twist and allow him to get down, you know, ahead of steam and, and getting downhill, uh, chase down the quarterback, dove for the for the legs, wrapped him up for a sack. He wins with burst. Wins with leverage. He's the guy who's going to be playing on Sundays. Four tackles, two and a half sacks, three and a half total tackles for loss on the day. Um, you know, if you tuned in um, on, on, I think it was Friday, uh, BYU against Louisiana Tech, uh, you know, and and the Bulldogs, no match for uh, the BYU Cougars who won 45-14. And Zach Wilson quietly having a huge year. Nobody's really talking about him, but the 6'3", 210-pound junior, only had two incompletions on the day, 325 yards and two touchdowns on 24-26 passing. He's mobile. He's accurate on the run. Uh, does a really good job going through his progressions. Showcase on a play where he, he was looking left, going through a couple of his progressions, goes back to the right. Uh, and then the touch to put it up to the to the tight end, Carson Wheat, 
um, who hadn't, I believe he, that was his first catch on the year. Uh, 22 yard touchdown there. Um, you know, a, a guy, you know, who's tremendously athletic as well. There was a zone read, pulled it, and uh, had this nice nine yard touchdown run. Really a nice ball fake there to get that going. Um, you know, the pocket presence, athletic. You know, this was a guy who had some some questionable decisions down the stretch uh, a season ago, and I think he's really fixed a lot of those issues. You know, the Cougars, granted, they, they played, uh, you know, the Naval Academy, they played Troy, and now Louisiana Tech. Not really, uh, you know, power five conference teams, but still his performance is something to be, be noteworthy and, and to take notice of. Um, the left tackle, Brady Christensen, I thought had a nice day, 6'6", 300, uh, 300 pounds. Uh, the redshirt junior showed off the fact that, you know, hey, I'm a knee bender. I like to extend my arms, get my arms out into the, uh, into the defensive end, engages early in his kick slide, takes a couple of, of steps, and then gets those hands onto the defensive end and then really engulfs them from there. Uh, he and Channon uh, Herring, uh, the, the physical right guard, 6'7", 310 pounds, a couple of guys um, who have a chance to be playing on Sunday as well. And then I mentioned Coastal Carolina, 3-0 Chanticleers, uh, taking out Arkansas State, the, the Red Wolves, 52-23. Uh, the freshman, Grayson McCall, was you know exciting freshman. Um, you know, a guy who had, had four touchdowns throwing the football. You know, that was one of the things that really jumped off. Threw for 322 yards. Uh, but the guy I wanted to watch was Taron Jackson. He's 6'2", 260 pounds. Um, you know, physical. Uh, they, they talked about on the on the broadcast uh, through the first two games, 65% of the time he was double teamed. Uh, but in this game, showed the ability to bull rush and drive the offensive tackle back into the background, into the backfield, dip the inside shoulder, bend around the edge, showed some of that versatility. There's a little bit of stiffness turned in the corner, but still a guy who's very disruptive. Um, 32 tackles for loss, 19 sacks coming into the contest. Um, you know, I thought you know there was a play. He drove the right tackle up the field with speed, got even with the quarterback, showed a quick arm over back to the inside as the quarterback was stepping up to get the sack. The arm over back to the inside was his move. A lot of guys like to use that spin move. He likes to use his hands, use that arm arm uh, arm over, and get back and hit the quarterback who's stepping up. Forrest Merrill continues to be uh, a big dude and, and just a pain in the neck in the middle. Uh, just very stout at the point of attack. Takes on double teams and is just so strong. He's kind of the immovable object in there for the Red Wolves. And then Jonathan Adams, one of my favorite players. Six receptions, 98 yards, 6'3", 209, the senior. Ran a nine route. Um, got up the field, catch over his shoulder. Um, did a really good job tracking the football over over the shoulder. Um, you know, he's a guy who's able to elevate on on the out routes. Showed his ability to uh, you know the body control along the sideline. Um, he's a guy for me that um, is just continuing to get better and better each and every year. Uh, I'm sorry, each and every game uh, comes back to the football, attacks the football in the air. You just want to continue to see him develop as a receiver, as a route runner, continue to be physical. Um, you know, and the, I think the biggest question for Jonathan Adams is going to be what that speed is. What's his 40 time going to be? Because there's no doubt he's one of the more physical receivers in this year's draft. So those are the week five games that I got to watch. So now let's take a look at the Mountain West Conference. And... and you know, that's really where I want to start things, and then from there we'll transition to the MAC. And I think when we look at the Mountain West, 
Uh, you know, I'm, I start with the running back position in Xavier Valaday out of Wyoming. Six foot, 196, only a junior. A season ago for the Cowboys, over 1,200 yards on the ground, six touchdowns on the game. You know, a guy who, who has speed to the outside, um, needs to watch some of the ball security, you know, can be fumble prone at times. Um, but a guy who, who does a really good job following his blockers and then the lateral cut to bounce to, to bounce the ball to the outside, lacks that home run burst, uh, ran out of gas on a 62-yard run in, in the Arizona Bowl against Georgia State, battled injuries in 2019, but in that, Georgia, in that Arizona Bowl against Georgia State, 26 carries, 209 yards, and a touchdown. Also had three receptions for 91 yards. You want to see him become more of a factor in the passing game, just 15 receptions in his career, uh, but he's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Charles Williams. Out of UNLV, 5'9", 190 pounds, a guy who you know, battled some injuries in 2017 and 2018, uh, finally healthy in 2019, over 1,200 yards on the day. Another guy who doesn't really catch the football out of the backfield, but uh, you know, tune in, watch him for the Rebels. Uh, Charles Williams, a lot of fun to watch. And then the X factor at the running back position for the Fresno State Bulldogs is Ronnie Rivers, 5'8", 183, uh, a guy who has over 12, uh, I'm sorry, 2,100 yards on the ground, but also has nearly 800 yards receiving. 89 receptions in his three years there uh, for the Bulldogs. Uh, 28 touchdowns on the ground, another seven uh, through the air. He's a versatile weapon and a guy who I think can end up making an NFL roster. One of those guys who'll probably end up being undrafted um, and a guy that'll probably make his way onto a practice squad early, but a guy who just continues to find ways to make plays. Wide receiver position uh, in the Mountain West really took a hit when Walter Jack, or I'm sorry, Warren Jackson, 6'6", 215 pounder out of Colorado State. He's he's a, a long, uh, lanky uh, receiver. Shows off some strength as well. Um, a guy who loves to elevate and make plays over the top. Uh, a guy who has tremendous body control, adjusts well to the football when it's in the air. 77 catches for over 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns in just 10 games. Um, you know, an explosive guy. He's declared uh, for the draft uh, due to COVID-19, and I uh, haven't seen him opt back in. So right now he is out for the Rams. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy. Could he play his way into day two consideration potentially? I think he's probably more of a day three guy, probably fifth round range would be my guess. Uh, Jared Smart out of Hawaii, six foot, 190, uh, made the most of his first uh, first season there for the Warriors. Um, 87 catches, over 1,100 yards, five touchdowns, showed the ability to be a deep threat. You know, at six foot, you know, he's a lot bigger than a lot of the receivers that Hawaii is known for, the John Ursua, the, the Cedric Birds and company. Um, you know, I, I, I really like Jared Smart, and he's going to be a guy that uh, you're going to want to watch, especially in that, that spread-style offense that Hawaii likes to run. Trey Walker of San Jose State, 5'11", 180 pounds. Here's another guy who is, is a dynamic player, um, played in 10 games there for the Spartans, 79 catches, over 1,100 yards, just two touchdowns though. Um, you know, he, he has eight touchdowns in his three seasons there um, in San Jose. You know, you really want to see him have a breakout season and really find the end zone a little bit more. You know, this is a guy who I think runs a lot of underneath routes, is that reliable weapon, but can he take the top off of a defense? That's going to be a big question there uh, for Walker. Uh, the kickoff returner uh, extraordinaire, Savon Scarver out of Utah State, 5'11", 180 pounds. And this guy, all he does is, is return kicks for touchdowns. 
five kickoff returns for touchdowns, uh, two in, in each of the last two seasons. You know, averaged 28.3 yards per kickoff return. Uh, has returned 70 in his career. Just you know that dynamic ability to change the complexion of a game with a kickoff return. At least if nothing else is going to have teams give him a look. Is he you know, a versatile enough weapon on the offensive side of the football to bring him into the roster? If nothing else, get him onto a practice squad, help him develop as a route runner, potentially be a guy who can be that receiver, the fifth or sixth receiver and be that kickoff return guy. At the tight end position, uh, Trey McBride out of Colorado State is the guy to watch. 6'4", 260 pounds as a sophomore, 45 catches, 560 yards, four touchdowns there for the Rams, and uh, you know, just a playmaker. You know, simple as that. You know, he's going to be a playmaker, a guy who loves to, to stretch the field up the seam, reliable weapon. Um, you know, I, I think as a junior, he's going to be primed, especially with Warren Jackson not being there. He's going to be primed for a huge year. If you move to the offensive line, um, you know, the, the Air Force Academy has a really, really good uh, guard in, in Nolan Moffenberg. 6'3", 295, plays with a mean streak, uh, but he's agile. You know, he's a technician. Uh, he led the team in knockdowns a season ago. Uh, also led the offensive line that blocked for the number two ranked uh, running rushing attack in the FBS. 298.5 rushing yards per game. Uh, he's a nasty dude. A guy who can find his way into, into uh, day two consideration for sure. Uh, Il Manning, only a junior, 6'4", 280 pounds. He's kind of an undersized offensive tackle, but uh, I love the agility for him. A guy who moves really well, uses his hands um, I, I love that kick slide. He's so quick. Um, he's a guy to watch. Um, Jack Snyder out of San Jose State, 6'5", 310 pounds. A guy that nobody's really talking about. But look, 32 starts, plays both tackle positions, had 24 starts left tackle, eight at right tackle. And uh, San Jose State, you know, surprisingly, had had an offense that, that gave up just one sack in 35.6 pass attempts. It's one of the better uh, ratios there in, in the country. And then uh, Cyrus Tuatelli. Here's kind of an, uh, a guy who could fly under the radar. He's 6'6", 300 pounds, excellent length. Battled injuries throughout his career there in Fresno. Um, started all 20 games where he was healthy uh, as a uh, sophomore and junior. Uh, recruited as a defensive tackle. Um, you know He has a chance to end up, you know, if he can stay healthy and showcase um, you know, a, a really solid season, show, show off his skill set there at right tackle. Like Natani Muti, he's the guy that could end up, even despite the injuries, could still find himself drafted on day three. Moving to the defensive side for the Mountain West, uh, and on the defensive line, Dom Peterson is probably the, the big name to watch. Six foot, 295, but very explosive. You know, and he's kind of an undersized guy, um, you know, lacks that height. You know, and when you see that, you start thinking of guys like Aaron Donald, Jalen Twyman, you know, those shorter guys, but a guy who can get off the ball and, and very explosive. Uh, 25 and a half tackles for loss, 12 sacks, including nine a season ago. He's the guy to watch for the Wolfpack, um, getting after the quarterback. Uh, Emmanuel Jones uh, now goes by Manny. He's 6'4", 275. Uh, here's another guy. Makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. 21 and a half tackles for loss, nine sacks. Really good length. Uh, you know, those long arms uses those to his advantage. Uh, a guy on the interior to watch is, is Kevin Atkins out of Fresno State. 6'2", 295, has some pass rush ability, has five sacks in his career, uh, makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. I thought last year, uh, really his, his best year yet uh, for the Bulldogs. Had 31 tackles, seven tackles for loss as well. 
um, linebackers. Uh, going back to Air Force, Demonte Meeks. He's 6'1", 235, a versatile guy, 98 tackles, so he can be a volume tackler, a guy who can also rush the quarterback, has five and a half sacks in his career. Riley Wimpy, Boise State, 6'1", 230. I feel like this guy's been here forever uh, playing on the blue turf, uh, but he's the most experienced linebacker. Had seven pass breakups a season ago, so he showed off his ability to be a three-down linebacker there for Boise State, even when they, they go to uh, you know two or even a single linebacker set. Uh, Garrett Crawl out of Wyoming. He's a defensive lineman, but he's listed at 6'5", 233 pounds. Likely would be an outside linebacker. Um, has five pass breakups, four, uh, two forced fumbles in his career. So a guy who, who has a nose for the football. 18 tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks. He's going to be the guy to get after the quarterback for the Wyoming Cowboys. And then an undersized guy who's really the leader of that defense for the New Mexico Lobos, Jacoby Hearn. Six foot, just 218 pounds, undersized guy, but a guy who knows how to get after the quarterback from the linebacker position, six sacks on the year. And then, uh, let's see, going to the cornerback position, Jalen Walker of Boise State, Avery Williams, Boise State. Now, Jalen Walker, a lot of people are going to talk about him, six foot, 190 pounds. You know, he's the bigger of the two on the outside, 11 pass breakups, including nine a season ago in his first year, really getting the, the starting action. But Avery Williams is a guy who's been there, done that since his freshman season there for the Broncos. 5'9", 188 pounds, four interceptions, 21 pass breakups. And when you see him, you know, you look at his junior year, no interceptions, was four pass breakups. And a big reason for that was because people just did not want to throw his way. Um, you know, a, a guy who, look, he's 5'9", he's going to be a guy who's going to have to play uh, you know the nickel or playing the slot, but a guy who has instincts, ball, uh, ball skills for days reminds me a lot of Nikel Roby Coleman. Uh, you know, and also as a punt returner and kick returner, you know, the punt return game is strong with this guy. Uh, four uh, punt returns, one kickoff return for touchdown. Uh, so Avery Williams, that versatility could end up helping him make an NFL roster. Um, at the safety position, Akikawa Kanihu uh, for Boise State again, all the Boise State Broncos uh, on defense, 5'10", 185 pounds. Uh, this is a guy who has excellent range, shows off the ball skills, but a guy who also makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. Nine and a half, 19 and a half tackles for loss, five sacks on his career uh, to go along with five interceptions. 14 pass breakups, three forced fumbles. You have to know where he is on the field at all times. Same goes for Tarek Thompson, six foot, 200 pounds out of San Diego State. And this guy was a freshman All-American for the Aztecs with four interceptions, um, you know, and the ball skills. You know, that's the thing. You see the range, you see the ball skills, the instincts, reading the quarterback's eyes, making plays on the football. Not only does he have uh, you know, 30 total passes defended with 10 interceptions and 20 pass breakups in his career. But he also has four forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, just a nose for the football. Very savvy performer there on the back end of the Aztec defense. And then one final name there for Utah State, Shaq Bond, 5'10", 190. And uh, a guy who, again, ball skills. You know, four, four interceptions, 11 pass breakups in his career. This is also a guy who has returned two of his four interceptions for touchdown, including a 100-yarder there as a sophomore in his first year for the Aggies. Um, it was an undersized safety, but the ball skills definitely have to be, you know, make you take notice. So Matt, when the Mac starts taking the field in November, we're going to transition really quickly here. And, uh, you know, when they take the field, if you're looking for a quarterback, because I didn't really have one there for the Mountain West, if you're looking for a quarterback to really keep an eye out for, it's Dustin Crum out of Kent State. 6'3", 201 pounds. Um, 
struggled a little bit in a little bit of action that he did get to see there for, for the Golden Flash, uh, Golden Flashes, but uh, 69% completion percentage, 20 touchdowns, just two interceptions, also rushed for 707 yards and six touchdowns as well. Um, you know, he's dynamic, a guy who makes plays outside of the pocket, um, but he has really good arm strength, good decision maker, um, a guy who attacks the field, you know, uh, both, um, you know, on the, the, you know, over the middle um, and can hit his receivers down the field as well. I think Dustin Crum is a guy to really keep an eye out for. He's one of those sleeper quarterbacks, a guy who I think is just going to continue to develop. I think a big year out of him there for, you know, is going to help propel not only Kent State uh, to a, you know, a nice status there for, for, the, for the Mac, but I think he has the capability to be a guy who's going to end up getting drafted on day three, make an NFL roster, be a nice, you know, nothing else, be a nice backup for an NFL franchise. Uh, Drew Plitt, Ball State. Ball State's got a lot of guys that I'll be talking about here. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they can do. Uh, 6'2", 217 pounds. Um, and, uh, you know, only saw action in 12 games in his first two seasons there for Ball State. Uh, but as a junior, completed 64% of his passes, over 2,900 yards, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions, uh, an intelligent quarterback as well, has a lot of weapons to, to get the football to. Um, but I really want to talk about running back because the if there's going to be anybody in the MAC that's going to be drafted on day two, and specifically in round number two, it's going to be Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo. 5'9", 195, the junior, he and Kevin Mark showed up to Buffalo and the dynamic duo, I mean, he rushed for nearly 1,000 yards as a true freshman, 14 touchdowns, um, and then had the breakout year, uh, really separated himself, over 300 carries as a sophomore, 300, uh, 312 for 1,799 yards, that's 5.8 yards per carry, 19 touchdowns, already has 33 touchdowns for the Bulls. Um, and I think when you watch him play, you, all you, see, you see jump cuts. You see the quick feet, you see him very shifty, uh, explosive jump cuts, um, loves to press, press the line of scrimmage, puts his foot in the ground, cuts to the outside, and the vision to see the open field, that's one of the things that you definitely see. The start and stop ability, um, you know, has... Um, Six touchdowns in a single game against uh, Bowling Green, which is a MAC record as well. Uh, runs through first contact, um, spins out of tackles, low center of gravity, keeps that balance, you know, that contact balance that you really hear a lot of people talk about. That he just has power in his legs, and uh, I think Jarrett Patterson has a good chance to end up being a top five back when it's all said and done. You know, after the top three or four backs, there are a lot of guys that are really going to be competing for it. I think Jarrett Patterson, I'm glad that the Mac are going to be taking the field in 2020 because I think Jarrett Patterson is primed to have a huge, huge year. Even if they are only going to play six games, you got to watch Jarrett Patterson for those six games. Uh, Caleb Huntley, another big physical back. He's 5'10", 230 pounds for Ball State. Powerful runner, uh, over 1,200 yards. You know, this guy has a... Uh, you know, showed up there to Ball State, had over a thousand yards as a true freshman, played in just six games uh, you know, as a sophomore, comes back in 2019, 12 touchdowns on the year as well. Not much of a pass catcher, but a big physical bruising running back. Uh, you know, and so he's going to be a guy that I think would be working hard to potentially be that, that late day three guy, potentially a guy who's going to um, 
be an undrafted free agent, work his way onto a practice squad. Um, and if you're looking for a junior that could potentially have a breakout year, how about Brian Kobach out of Toledo? Six foot, 205. So he's a bigger running back, you know, at least, you know, taller in stature, you know, very, um, very lean. Uh, over 1,200 yards, I'm sorry, 2,100 yards in his career, 26 touchdowns, went over the 1,000-yard mark a season ago, averaging six, point, uh, six yards per carry um, in, in each of his two seasons there. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing if, if Brian Kobach can uh, can put up another 1,000-yard season. Um, you know, I was really looking forward to that because I guess now there's six games. Um, if you were to do that, a thousand yards in six games, that'd be that'd be pretty special. Not unheard of at the collegiate level, but uh, would still be pretty special, especially given the the offense that Toledo runs. Um, at the wide wide receiver position, um, I'm going to give you some juniors. Uh, Khalil Pimpleton. Uh, out of Central Michigan, 5'9", 175 pounds. The junior uh, would be a slot receiver. Um, you know, only played in one game as a freshman. Comes out in uh, in 2019, 82 catches, over you know, just under 900 yards, six touchdowns on the year. Um, and then if you're looking for a guy, if Dustin Crum has a breakout year throwing the football, likely it's going to be to Isaiah McCoy, the 6'3", 182-pound junior, um, big, um, long, uh, excellent catch radius, 872 yards uh, a season ago and eight touchdowns. He's going to be a guy to watch. Um, at the tight end position, you know, the tight ends really, you know, kind of vacated the the MAC when they announced that they weren't going to be playing in uh, 2020. Tony Poljohn uh, from Central Michigan, the 6'7", 260-pounder, moved on to Virginia. Mitchell Brinkman, 6'4", 250 pounds uh, for Northern Illinois, I'm sorry, North Illinois, yeah, Northern Illinois. He uh, moved on to South Florida, but there is a guy from Bowling Green, Quentin Morris, uh, to really take notice of. 6'4", 248 pounds, last two seasons, really, really productive. Um, had 97 catches um, for over 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns. Uh, he's going to be the guy that uh, is going to be the go-to receiver there uh, for Bowling Green. Um, on the offensive line, another class that's kind of gotten hit due to COVID, uh, Tommy Doyle, 6'8", 326 for Miami of Ohio, started 13 games at left tackle, started all you know uh, all 13 at right tackle the season prior. He and his, his roommate, Danny Gudlewski, the, the center, both opted out. Gudlewski is 6'3", 296. Um, 37 starts uh, under his belt. He had an injury in 2017 uh, against Marshall in the opener, but uh, both he and Tommy decided that they were going to opt out. And uh, you know, I think both of those guys are uh, eligible. You know, not only eligible to be drafted, but guys who should get drafted. Tommy Doyle uh, is one of those guys who's going to fly under the radar uh, a little bit, uh, but a lot of the the draft experts know who he is. You know, he, he's definitely a pro prospect, you know, a guy who may kick inside to guard. I think Danny Godlewski is going to end up being a guy who's going to end up making an NFL roster. I think, you know, he's a heady performer. Thirty, Like I said, 37 starts under his belt. He was really the leader of that offensive line. Um, moving to the defensive side of the football. Uh, shoot, before we do that, we got to 
can't forget about uh, Kiyote Awasika uh, for Buffalo. 6'5", 305, 25 starts. Led that rushing attack with Patterson and Marks, the dynamic duo there for the running backs. you got to tune in and watch Buffalo. Uh, you know, you've got the, the, the running backs, Patterson and, and Marks. But Awasika is definitely an NFL prospect and a guy who could challenge potentially uh, for day two consideration. Probably more than likely going to end up being you know, fourth or fifth round when it's all said and done, though. Now we can move to the defensive side, and we're going to talk about a couple of duos. Uh, the first, we're going to stay with Buffalo. You got Taylor Riggins, you got Malcolm Koontz, both about the same size, 6'2, 6'3, 250, 260 pounds. Um, you know, Riggins, 16 tackles for loss, 13 and a half sacks. Koontz, 16 tackles for loss, 12 sacks. You know, so their numbers are almost mirror images of each other. And uh, these are two guys who know how to get after the quarterback. They play really well, play off of each other very well. And, uh, you know, I think that's what's going to make Buffalo's defense uh, a scary one because you've got two guys that can get after the quarterback. Um, and you really can't double team one because uh, the other one, that means uh, as a result, it's going to end up seeing uh, single man coverage. Uh, so I think those guys are going to have a big year. Um, Ali Fayed and, and Ralph Hawley for Western Michigan. Now, Ali Fayed, the 6'2", 255, a playmaker on the outside, 29 and a half tackles for loss. You know, a guy who, who can get to the quarterback, has 12 and a half sacks, but his game is making plays behind the line of scrimmage. And then Ralph Hawley, the 6'2", 285 pound, undersized defensive tackle for the Broncos, um, but a guy who, who wins with explosiveness. I mean, he has nine and a half sacks, so he knows how to get after the quarterback. He's not just a one-trick pony stuff in the run, uh, although he does have 20 tackles for loss. Very consistent player. Um, you know, when you look at his, his stats, you know, they're almost identical in terms of his sophomore and junior seasons. I like Ralph Hawley because of his quickness off the ball, and I, I think he's underrated uh, in terms of his play. Now, I was going to talk about Jack Heflin, the 6'4", 312-pounder there for the, the Northern Illinois Huskies, a guy who had 17 tackles for loss and nine sacks in his career. But he's moving on to Iowa, uh, and he's going to be playing it in Big Ten play. So uh, we'll have to tune in and watch Jack Heflin there. Uh, linebackers, Jalen Thomas out of uh, Ball State, 6'1", 235, a guy who makes plays all over the, all over the field. Uh, can be a volume tackler. Uh, likes to make plays behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, good instincts shooting into the backfield. Uh, Want to see if he can drop into coverage a little bit. That's going to be the big question. You know, if he's only going to be a two-down linebacker, that's going to really play against him. Uh, and then Treshawn Howard. Oh, I'm sorry, Treshawn Hayward uh, out of Western Michigan. He's 6'1", 225 pounds. You're talking about a volume tackler. This is the guy. 142 tackles a season ago. 11 tackles for loss. Four and a half sacks. That defense for the Broncos. You know, when you've got Fayed rushing the quarterback on the outside, then you have Ralph Hawley, the interior penetrator, and then you've got, you know, Treshawn Hayward flying around to the football. That's going to be a team that you're going to have to tune in and watch. Cornerbacks, uh, Manny Rugamba, he played his first two seasons there at Iowa before transferring to Miami. And, uh, you know, Let's see, 16 pass breakups, three interceptions in his career. Um, he's opted out as well. He's the guy that I was actually looking forward to, to seeing this year because I wanted to see him have a big year. Um, I, I thought that you know, when you look at, at some of the, the different corners, Michael Ojemudia there for Iowa, he had a big year in 2019 and wound up getting himself drafted you know, a lot higher than I think people were expecting. Rugamba, not quite as big. He's 5'9", 190. Has some decent ball skills, but you know, he's not a guy who was really 
jumping out on people's radars as, as a guy that uh, you had to take notice of. You know, could be a potential day, late day three guy right now. Um, I really wanted to see him play, and I'm hoping that some of these Miami of Ohio defenders and uh, an offensive lineman decide to come back uh, now that uh, the Mac has decided to play. Uh, we're getting close to the season. You know, if they've been working out, maybe they can make it, make it back onto the field. If they've hired an agent, it's going to make things a little bit more difficult. But you know, we have to see. You know, there are guys that are still opting back in. You look at USC, Elijah Vera Tucker, this past week decided that he is going to opt back in and play for the Trojans. So you know, it's it's not uh, out of the realm of possibility that we, we could still see Tommy Doyle, Danny Godlevsky, and Manny Rugamba playing in uh, a Red Hawk uniform when it's all said and done. Um, other corners though that will be playing. Uh, Antonio Phillips, big uh, corner, six foot, 191 pounds, six interceptions in his career, 12 pass breakups, decent ball skills there. But for Western Michigan, I really love Patrick Lupro, uh, 5'10", 180 pounds in his first year of, of action there as a sophomore. So he's only a junior this year. Um, so he can come back again. Um, but the ball skills, he just seemed to be all over the field uh, making plays for, for the Broncos. Um, if you get to the safety position, um, again, going back to Miami of Ohio, you have Sterling Weatherford, 6'4", 218 pounds, the junior. He's a big physical dude, a guy who makes plays over the top, a volume tackler, can play in the box, can make plays behind the line of scrimmage, get after the quarterback a little bit, but also has two interceptions and 11 pass breakups in his career, a couple of forced fumbles as well, has a nose for the football. He's big, he's physical, and uh, you know he, he's a guy, I, I think of Miles Killebrew, uh, when he was coming out, the big physical safety that, that got drafted by the Lions, I see Sterling Weatherford, and I think you know he's a guy that uh, you know is going to be taking, you know, demanding you know people take notice of him. Um, if you haven't already seen him play, he's only a junior, so he'll probably come back and play one more year for Miami of Ohio. But uh, definitely a, a big physical safety, and then a senior safety for you, Tyrone Hill out of Buffalo, 6'1", 200 pounds. Um, you know, and, and if you've got uh, you know Koontz. And uh, and Riggins rushing the quarterback. Then you've got Hill on the on the backside of the defense. Uh, 14 pass breakups in his career, and uh, a, a guy who does a really good job playing over the top. Has decent size there for the safety position. A little stiff in the hips and coverage, um, but again, knows for the football and knows what to do when he arrives and make plays on the football. Made it through both the Mountain West and the MAC real quick. Some players to keep an eye on in 2020. Uh, you know, we're just a couple of weeks away from really seeing the Mountain West Conference hit the field. And then we also, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to get to see the MAC right before the Pac-12 starts hitting the field as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, you know, and so we're down to the end of the podcast, which means a quick look at the matchups for week number six, and then we'll call it a day. Number four, Florida, the Kyle Show. Going to College Station, taking on the 21st ranked Texas A&M Aggies. Um, you know, see what Kellen Mond can do against uh, the Florida Gator defense. Brenton Cox rushing the quarterback. You've got Ventrell Miller, the linebacker. You know, uh, and then the safety Sean Davis playing over the top with with uh, Marco Wilson, the the corner. Uh, I, I just I think Florida is going to end up winning that game. I think it'll be close early, and then Florida will run away with it. Um, UNC, the ranked number eight in the country now, taking on Virginia Tech, nineteenth ranked Tokies um, in Chapel Hill, and I, I just see Sam Howell and company, Chaz Serrano, the defensive line uh, on the defensive side of the football um, at linebacker. 
I think they end up beating the Hokies. LSU, number 17 in the country, um, at home against Missouri. I think, you know, Mizzou, uh, they're still a year or two away before you're really going to see them making plays in the SEC conference with Eli Drinkwitz there as the head coach. I don't think that's going to be a contest. The Red River rivalry, you've got the number 22-ranked Texas Longhorns against the unranked OU Sooners. When was the last time we saw the Oklahoma Sooners unranked um kind of an odd situation you've got texas you know coming off of a loss two and one tech you know texas longhorns one and two sooners uh could lincoln riley's team lose three in a row it's always possible uh when these two teams match up but you really have to throw the records out of the window there you know sam ellinger He's a gritty quarterback, steps up and plays well in big games, but the inconsistent play, you always wonder about that. Can they get a running game going? And really, can OU get some playmakers to step up? And can Alex Grinch find somebody who can make a play on the defensive side of the football? Um, Let's see, who else do we have here? We have uh, Tennessee, number 14th ranked Volunteers, going up against Georgia. And, And, you know, Georgia, they didn't win pretty against... Um, against Auburn it was really the running game and then that that defense that just beat the, the Auburn uh, offensive line up Tennessee with Trey Smith uh, you know I don't know what the status of, of Cade Mays is going to be for that game but I think Tennessee can match up with them pretty well uh, up front um, but I just I don't know if they have the playmakers there at the receiver position I think Eric Gray uh, is going to be a nice running back there for the Vols but I think you know with, with Georgia uh, you know, if you can get Stetson Bennett going, throwing the football to George Pickens, Kiaris Jackson, uh, and then running the football with uh, Zamir White and company behind that big offensive line. Look, you know, if I'm Tennessee, I look for ways to try to put pressure on the quarterback. You've got a, you know some brand new tackles, you know, the the, the guards. And, and the center, that's where your veteran leadership is going to be. But if you can attack those tackles, that's where you can potentially put some pressure on Stetson Bennett. Um, Iowa State, after losing uh, their first game of the year uh, against Louisiana, they're now ranked number 24 in the country, taking on Texas Tech. See if Brock Purdy can continue that momentum. Uh, really want to be able to see that. Auburn now ranked number 13, going up against the defensive juggernaut, apparently that that is the uh, Arkansas Razorbacks. I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek. But uh, we really want to see what, what Bo Nix can do with, with Auburn. Can he really develop a connection there with, uh, with Seth Williams? Um, and then you know that, that defense got beat up a little bit with the running game. Are they going to be able to stop Raheem Boyd? Uh, BC taking on that pit defense. You know, that pit defense, you've got Patrick Johnson able to get after the quarterback. you got uh, you know DeMar Hamlin at safety and Paris, uh, Paris Ford at the other safety position. Uh, you have to watch out for Pitt defensively, but then you have Kenny Pickett throwing the football. BC, likewise, they've got a couple of linebackers that make plays, and, and Max Richardson and Isaiah McDuffie throwing the football on, on the offensive side. Obviously, Phil Dracovic and, and Hunter Long. If Pittsburgh wants to win, they're going to have to find a way to shut down Hunter Long, shut down that connection, force Phil Dracovic to find somebody else. You know, that's really the biggest thing. Can you take away his number one weapon, that number one target, who had 10 targets in the first half, can you force him to look for someone else? TCU and K-State, you know, a couple of teams with one loss there in the Big 12. You know, I think who wins that game could be in the driver's seat as one of the teams that could potentially be playing for the Big 12 title. Um, that's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, the game of the of the week it's probably going to be the number one ranked Clemson Tigers at home against the number seven ranked Miami Hurricanes. 
So Trevor Lawrence going up against that defense, you know, and and Travis Etienne running the football, you know, can Jackson Carmen slow down Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips? That's going to be a big question. You know, the speed of Zach McLeod. You want to see what he can do there. Uh, Bubba Bolden, the, the the veteran leadership that he's shown on the back end, the instincts coming up against the run. What can he do there against Travis Etienne? And then throwing the football, um, you know, can they put pressure on on uh, Trevor Lawrence, make him uncomfortable? And then defensively, Clemson, look, Clemson's still young. They've got a lot of, you know, four and five star recruits on the defensive side of the football. They're still young, though. And can De'Eric King, who's a veteran quarterback, can he, you know, he had 50 touchdowns, responsible for 50 touchdowns for Houston before redshirting last season. This is a guy who has all kinds of momentum. If I'm Clemson, I find every way to try to take away Brevin Jordan and force a different receiver to beat him. You know, Mark Pope and Mike Harley have to step up and have a big game. Cameron Harris has to run the football well. And if I'm Jared Williams, this is going to be that showcase game. That's the guy that I really like, that right tackle who followed his quarterback from Houston to Miami. If he can have a big game, this could be a breakout game for Jared Williams. I don't know that the Hurricanes have enough. If there's going to be anybody in the ACC that can challenge Clemson, it will be the Hurricanes. And you got to tune in and watch that game. It'll be on ABC, uh, 6.30 Eastern. I'm sorry, 7.30 Eastern, 6.30 Central. Um, Ole Miss, Ox, you know, in Oxford, Lane Kiffin and company going up against the number two ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. Lane Kiffin, Steve Sarkeesian, you know, the two offensive minds there for, for Pete Carroll's USC Trojans. Both of those guys have to- also coached for the Bam, uh, Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, so we'll get to see um, essentially Elijah Moore on uh, on offense and Jerry and Ely running the football. Um, you know, with Matt Corral slinging the ball a little bit. Um, you know, I think they're going to put up some points against Bama's defense. Um, but I think Bama's offense, there's just no way. There's no way that they're, that that defense is going to be able to slow them down. At the end of the day, I think Alabama, they'll get a couple of stops against Mississippi, and uh, they'll end up winning probably you know, 52-28 would probably be the, the, the score that I would expect. And then Kentucky taking on Mississippi State. What can Mike Leach do? Can he turn that offense around? Um, is Kentucky going to run a lot of zone? Are you going to see any man-to-man? Can K.J. Costello uh, take what the defense gives him, see the entire field, or is he going to continue to make those those ill-advised throws and untimely errors that's just going to cost them the football game? Those are things to really keep an eye on for as well. So those are the games that I know I'm going to want to try to tune in and watch this weekend. So I hope that you do as well. I hope you've enjoyed the content thus far. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I've enjoyed bringing it to you. We're going to do it all again next week. We're going to go ahead and take a look at uh, this past week, this this upcoming week. We'll take a look at it. We'll break things down. And uh, we'll start talking about some of those FCS teams, some of the FCS prospects. Not only Trey, uh, Trey Lance and Dylan Radins. We're going to talk about guys like Romeo McKnight. We're going to talk about uh, you know Robert Rochelle. Guys that, that you should know about. Um, you know, but names that you may not necessarily be familiar with. You know, there's a tight end from Central Missouri named uh, Zach Davidson, six seven tight end who was also the team's punter, um, who has a chance. Look, Donald Parham now on a roster. He's with the Chargers. You know, this guy was number three in all of the FCS in, in uh, receiving yards at the tight end position, and a guy who. Um, ultimately had to fight his way back. You know, I, I believe he was with the XFL. 
um, and uh, ended up making his way back onto the NFL roster and actually saw the field and was productive, you know, making some catches there for the Bolts. And uh, I think Zach Davidson is another guy who I think, you know, when you get him out there, especially in these these workouts, uh, let him run the 40, showcase his ability, you know, especially in some of these all-star games. This is a kid who I think can rise up draft boards. He's just one of many guys. Ellerson Smith, want to talk about him as well out of Northern Iowa. You know, big physical dude. He's he's six seven. He's huge. Uh, and then you know, Northern Iowa also has a has a defensive end. Or I'm sorry, uh, a left tackle Spencer Brown who can end up being the number three, number four tackle when it's all said and done as well. He's a big dude, over six seven, uh, excellent length. And uh, so we'll do that next week. We'll take a look at that. Obviously, we'll also look ahead to week seven of the college football season. And uh, we'll be counting down to Big Ten play right around the corner. Uh, I can't wait. I'm sure you can't either. So enjoy your weekends, everyone. Enjoy your weekend of college football and and pro football. We've got the playoffs, uh, the the baseball playoffs in full swing. Uh, The Lakers taking on Miami Heat. Uh, potentially a closeout game, game number five on Friday. There's a lot of sports going on right now. If you're a sports fan, I mean, this is, you know, I know COVID-19 has really put a damper on on 2020. But what it's also done is, is this time of year, there's a lot of action to really tune into, and it can be a lot of fun as well. Um, so take advantage of, of all the games, all the, um, you know, there's, there's a lot to watch, a lot to cover over the weekend. And anything that you don't tune in and watch, uh, from a college football standpoint, you want to find out who the draft eligible prospects were, who had uh, games, memorable games, either you know positive or negative. Uh, you know, we'll bring those to you here in next week's Ready for the Draft podcast. So we're going to go ahead and call it. Again, this has been your host, Greg Schutz. This has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. Take care, everyone. And until next time, be safe. And I am out of here. Take care, everyone.